0: Hey, this is Evan Wanted to let you all know that we're not going to be on this week uh, Polly's actually away at Lobster Fest, And I'm actually away at a conference So we're going to have a, n- a new episode next week And by, uh, actually by popular demand We're actually going to have all of Lawrence Roberts' uh, interviews uh, With a Gay Sex guy And put them all together uh, If you've heard them before, listen to them again uh, They're actually all, all good, all strung together uh, So we will... Uh, be back with you live in MP3 uh, next week. So uh, take care, stay hard,
1: and uh, we'll talk to you later. This is Lawrence Roberts with the podcast, and I am here with one of the most amazing podcasters out there, one of the, a true original. Um, this is the guy who has a podcast called Gay Sexcapades. Hello.
2: Hello.
1: Let's see. Now, normally, I, what I do on this podcast is I interview adult porn performers, people that are in videos, and you're the first person I've ever interviewed that has not been naked in front of a camera for a wide distribution, in that you're like a, a groundbreaking performer. You're bringing this sort of erotic voyeurism into um, into our ears and leaving all this space for us to, to sort of imagine what things look like. Now, I don't know how to address you because uh, you don't use a name in your podcast, do you?
2: Um. You know what, I don't, but uh, when I usually when I do interviews like this, I'll just use my first name, it's Chris.
1: Okay, hello Chris. Hi. Um, so how did you uh, get started doing uh, Gay Sex escapades? What made you uh, want to document and sometimes record uh, your sex life?
2: Podcasting more than the content, I think, came first. Because I'm kind of a techno-geeky person in general. So when podcasting kind of came on the scene, I was... I got really excited about it. And at first, I had just one of those regular, boring audio blog type podcasts Mm -hmm. that everybody had at the time. And I got bored with it really fast. And then, about the same time that that was going on, I had a really good friend who, he was a little older than me, and he had a partner of like 10 or 15 years at the time. And so, uh, he was living in the same city as I was, and his boyfriend was across the country going to school, so they were not together, uh, and he would uh, he would come over to my house like once a week or so for dinner. He would come over on Sunday and, and we would have dinner together and talk, and and it got to where he came over just to hear the types of stories that I tell on the podcast, it was, <laughs> it was sort of a living vicariously through me kind of a thing. And in the early days of the show, I think there's a couple of episodes where I actually play clips of that. It's, it's me and him talking and having those discussions, where you're actually hearing firsthand him and me having that conversation. And so you're basically know, taking them.
1: the great tradition of storytelling into the computer age, Yeah. and yeah, putting gay together, sex too. There you go. Now, uh, for people who haven't heard your podcast, uh, I'm going to play a little clip so we can hear a little bit about one of the aspects uh, of your show. So
0: you're on spring break this week. Yeah, just started staying lucky. Yeah. Do you have any plans? No. No? Do lots of nothing. That's what I used to do on spring break. That probably tastes like coffee.
2: Yeah, a little bit. I not coffee. I think that was the very first, I call them sound scenes, because when, again, when I first started doing this, uh, it was back in the day when Adam Curry was really big, and he was doing something he called sound seeing, S-E-E-I-N-G, and I didn't like that at all, so I called him sound scenes, S-C-E-N-E. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I'm pretty sure that was the very first one. In fact, I just reposted it maybe a month or two ago.
1: So, so what is a sound scene?
2: Uh, Tom, that's just uh, you hearing, instead of me telling you about it, you get to hear it.
1: It's, it's basically raw footage um sort of documentary style fly on the wall or camera on the wild style right yeah,
2: there's uh, i took a little you know mp3 recording device and it sits on the night table and you get to be uh yeah fly on the wall
1: while you have sex with people and yeah do these people know that they're being recorded oh
2: yes absolutely yeah so how do you how do you
1: how do you introduce this into your car into your conversation with them uh or into the act
2: uh you know it depends on the person like the one you played that was, um, someone, not really a friend, but he was someone who I got together with like two or three times a month for a while. So it was someone I knew fairly well and was comfortable with, and it wasn't hard at all to just kind of, you know, say, Hey, by the way, do you mind if I record it this time? And then some of the other ones, you know, and a lot of these boys, if you listen to the show, you know, a lot of these people, I meet them on the internet. People that are on the internet looking for sex tend to have some weird fetishes. I've found lots of people that like to be videotaped, like to have their picture taken during the act. So mm-hmm. for those kinds of people, it's like nothing at all to ask if I can record it.
1: They're like reality stars. Yeah. So you meet people on the web. Um, how do you uh, how do you do that? Like, what, what are your turn-ons and turn-offs for a web profile?
2: You know, the picture is the first thing you ever see. So mm-hmm. uh, that's usually the first thing that'll get my attention. And then, honestly, the second thing is going to be, how close are they to me? Because I don't like to to drive a lot. I won't drive very far just for sex. You know, it's just sex. But If you listen to the show, it sounds like sex is a much bigger deal to me than it actually is. And I'm not a person who's going to drive more than a few
1: miles for sex. I think sometimes internet hookups can go awry. Am I right?
2: All the
0: time. (laughs)
1: Let's listen to one more clip from your show. I
0: get in the car and I start driving. Back towards where he is, and I get about halfway over there, and my phone rings, and it's him, and he says, "Hey, I found your wallet." I said, "Oh, hey, cool." And uh, he starts giving me details, and you know, details are the mark of any good con. He starts going, "Yeah, there's only twenty-five dollars in it. I, I, is that what was in it?" And I, I. In my head, I said, yes, that's exactly what was in it. But in the end of the phone, from my mouth, I said, well, you know what? I'm not sure how much was in it. So if you say it was 25, then it was 25. So I get back over there, and he hands me my wallet. And I open it up, and I start looking through it. And it's very, very obvious that it's been
1: gone through, because everything is in the wrong place. This was someone that you met, hooked up with, met him in a car. And then what happened?
2: Um, okay well that was kind of recent actually i'm not the only one that's it's happened to me twice actually now mm-hmm. and i know other people that it's happened to and there are people out, who, who, out there you know their their mo is to meet people online you know make them think they're going to have sex and i actually did have sex with that kid mm-hmm. but in the process you know see what you can get out of them besides that
1: i really love how you described because uh, you called him back and, and you said what?
2: Well, I was surprised that he answered the phone at all. Yeah. And, and in the first place, when I was first meeting up with him, the, the initial contact, I was surprised that he didn't, like, block his number when he called me. He called my cell phone, I got his phone number. It would not have been hard to track him down had he not answered the phone. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, people are
1: just stupid. Have you ever heard from him again?
2: No, I see him online every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't do anything about it, I just kind of ignore that he exists, but no, I've never had another run in with him.
1: Where did you get the name Gay Sexcapades?
2: I don't remember. Mm-hmm. I, it just, I, I'm sure it just kind of occurred to me. Because mm-hmm. I've, I've, I mean the word sexcapade, I had heard before. Mm-hmm. And I always, I like wordplay, I like to play around with words like that, so I just, I, I'm sure it just kind of occurred to me. When I was setting up all the feeds and websites and stuff, I probably said, hey, I ain't were
1: you the first person to do this? Were you the first uh, male to do this? Were you the first gay male to do this?
2: Well, yeah. I mean, in with the content, I mean, I wasn't the first gay podcaster. but I was the first that kind of made sex the focus of a podcast, and especially in, in the gay realm. I don't know about other pornographic-type podcasts, but I'm pretty sure I was the first gay podcast dedicated to sex, and I, I know I was the first one to record the live
1: act. Yeah, I remember when I first heard that. I just sort of got goosebumps when I heard it, because it's something that you, when, when you actually record someone, because you really feel like you shouldn't be listening to it. Because and you, Also, you don't really put this into context on your on your podcast, really. You don't know, I the mean, listener doesn't really know what agreement you had with the person. It's just all of a sudden, bam, you're there listening to people have sex, and it's sort of like not the greatest quality, so it really feels sort of spyish and naughty. <laughs> that's right, and what, that's kind
2: of the point, yeah. uh, you know, to let you imagine what it is, because so many people oh, can I see pictures of you, or can you put pictures of, of the people you talk about, and and no, because half the point of the show is you using your imagination to come up with the pictures that go with what you're hearing.
1: It's so great, because what you're doing is that, like, like any great art gives you a lot of room to... to to wiggle in and to make and to make pictures in your own head, whether it be uh, about themes or story, whenever you give the audience a lot of room, um, you're really opening things up about themselves. And um, if I had pictures going along with it, I know like when you hear radio broadcasters, sometimes when you see them, it's just like, it changes everything because you've already had that person's face in your mind and it really is a reflection of you. So do you ever intend to show your picture online or anywhere? No,
2: well, I mean, not, not in, in association with the podcast. I have put up a few pictures here and there of the people I talk about with their permission, mm-hmm. but very few, and so people may have confused that with being me. I'm not sure.
1: What What would happen if people um, discovered you? Like, Well, well first of all, d- does your family know that you do this? No. What would happen, in, in I guess in all aspects of your life, uh, if people found out that this was you? Well... And yeah, if they I went, on, if they went on iTunes and pressed play.
2: Yeah, uh, well, I don't know. A few people do <laughs> Not to bring it I down. <laughs> yeah, my really close friends know that I do this. Uh-huh. Um, and there are a few people here locally that have figured it out. In fact, I got one phone call that was like, hey, I heard you talking about me on the internet. Um, but, I mean, all those people have been really good-natured about it. But, I mean, if it got out in a bad way, I would probably be forced to take everything down.
1: So there's really only a few people who really know who you are, is what you're saying. Right?
2: There, there is less than ten people in the world
1: who can. Oh my god! Really? That's intense. So you're like the Zodiac killer of gay porn podcasting. There you go. I think as I see it there's two diff- two ways that that your show uh, unfolds there's two types of episodes there's the one that's the the scenes or the, you know the do- pure documentary and then there's the other ones where you uh, are alone and you tell the story about someone that you fucked and um and I love them because they have this sort of NPR kind of uh, quality. They're like little essays and they have background music that sounds just like something from all things considered. Um, and it's nicely, it's really well packaged. And it has a great pace in a beginning, a middle, and an end.
2: Well, and, uh, no one's ever said that before, but that's a huge compliment. I'm a big NPR fan. One thing I noticed is
1: that you used to have a different intro to your podcasting you have now.
2: Okay. Well, I mean, like, the voiceover part? Or?
1: Yeah, it used to be... Uh, Gay sex escapades. A twenty-seven-year-old man with a huge cock. And at one point, you dropped the huge cock. What happened?
2: Well, I also dropped the twenty-seven years old because I've been doing this for almost three years now. <laughs> in the very beginning, when I was doing the show, if someone wanted to interview yep. me, I would kind of do it in persona. I mean, not that that's a persona, but it's only one facet of me, and so I would kind of take on that attitude when I would do the interviews, and I dropped that real fast, too, because it just, it gave people the impression that I was an arrogant asshole, and I can totally see why. So they thought you were cocky? Not. <laughs> i you know, I, so I wanted to bring kind of the feel that there is a little bit more to me than what you hear on the show.
1: Do you feel like you've been criticized for coming off as being arrogant from other podcasters and... Media. Um,
2: I have by other podcasters as well as by some listeners. Not lately, but in the begin, in the very beginning, it was actually pretty harsh from a few other podcasters.
1: How does that make you feel?
2: Uh, not too bad, because they were idiots in the first place.
1: So the reason you dropped the huge cock was that you didn't want people to see you as being arrogant. Because saying that you have a big dick makes you arrogant.
2: Yeah, and I and I didn't want, even though it's a podcast about sex, I didn't want it to be just again just about. The physical act. I wanted it to be about the motivations behind it and, and going back again to your point about letting the audience kind of fill in the gap.
1: What made you want to start documenting everything? I know you said in one of your podcasts that you, you seem to have like a lot of compulsive behavior and you're very mathematical. You number things. You count things. Um, you actually have a, a list of everyone that you've fucked, right? Yeah. So are you like that with everything in your life or does, is it only about sex? No,
2: I'm like that with everything
1: are you getting treatment for that
2: <laughs> yeah no not yet but i was i was actually speak, talking about npr i talked <laughs> with the nation a couple of weeks ago had a whole episode devoted to orders and i'm not a physical i'm actually very much a minimalist when it comes to real physical things but i'm what they call a digital order and that i never throw anything away i still have computer files from college mm-hmm. you know so yeah it's, it's a bit of a compulsion
1: so it's not always sex um it's almost always sex, but every once in a while, I think, uh, I, I've listened, I've just been sort of like knocked in the head by one of your podcasts that is a, that goes a little bit off, off the beaten path. Uh, I'm going to play a little clip from the episode, I'm Back.
0: I remember thinking that he was really, really cute, and he was a really nice guy, and I would really like to see more of him. Um, but I, I, you know, it was kind of a dismissive thought, because I have that thought about not a lot, but I, I have that thought about more than a few guys that I that I meet up with. I said, Well we'll just give it some time and things will readjust and everything will be fine. Well that didn't ever happen. And in the end we ended up going our separate ways. We were together for almost eight months. Which, sad as it is to say out loud, is my second longest relationship ever. Actually, to be even more pathetic. It is my second relationship ever.
1: Now, I almost cried when I heard that. <laughs> what made you want to be so vulnerable on, on, on a podcast all of a sudden? Uh,
2: I think to get exactly the reaction I got, to knock people upside the head and kind of say, hey, here's something a little different. Uh, and to explain myself, because immediately prior to that episode being posted, I had been somewhat silent for about six months mm-hmm. while I had been dating him, because as I explain in the show, he knew about the show, but he didn't really want to be on it. He wasn't comfortable with the idea of my show, so I quit doing it while we were together. Um, and there's another episode like that, since you played that one, there's another one kind of like that, uh, where I talk about someone who came into my life for a while. It wasn't a boyfriend type thing, but it was, it was a friend. someone who was... Okay, we'll call him a friend. Okay. And, yeah, it was someone who I hooked up with and then kind of latched onto my life and you know, I drug him along for a few months, and, and it, was, you know, it ended ugly, and it's still in the process of ending, but yeah, every once in a while, I like, because it's part of the experience. It's part, you know, I met both of those kids as a result of hooking up with them, so it's part of the story that I want you to know about.
1: You talked about um, being let down, I think because you, someone let you down. And it was just this really sad moment that everyone goes through in life when you pass through relationships, um, any kind of relationships with people. But it was just so sad, and it really moved me. It, it really did. But at the end of the clip we just played, you sound like you're, you're, you're almost crying. Were you, were you crying when you, when you recorded that?
2: Um, honestly, I, I might have been. I know I was driving when I recorded that one. Uh, I have a portable recorder, and I have a very long commute, and everyone, not, not every episode you hear was recorded in the car, but that one was. Yeah, I think I did tear up at the end, Since I it was, again it was about a year ago, but I, I think I think yeah.
1: And I guess what it made me think, and especially with the last part where you said that you had this feeling like you wanted to be spend be more with this guy and more of a in a different way, and that you've had you have this feeling about a lot of guys that you meet and a lot of guys that you hook up with. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. Do you think, in a way, that these hookups are also? And I guess this seems to be like a sub-theme to it, is that it's a search for love or some sort of relationship.
2: Well, life is a search for love, yeah, I mean, and that's just one part of it, but yeah, I mean, in, in kind of a twisted way, I think of my hookups as first dates, because I mean, there have been several kids that I've hooked up with that it's turned into more hookups, or it's turned into some real dates, or it's turned into friendships. I mean, some of my closest, dearest friends in the world I met on gay.com, so yeah, absolutely.
1: You have um, several regulars, don't you?
2: At the moment, I wouldn't say several, but, but yeah. I mean, a lot of them move away. Like, I, I live near a university, and so, like, right now, a lot of them are out of town because they've gone home for summer. But, but, yeah, there's a handful of kids that will come around once
1: a month-ish. Well, let's, um, let's listen to a quick clip from your episode entitled A Regular.
0: A lot of my regulars know about this show and are not entirely comfortable with being mentioned on it and now a lot of a lot of the one time people don't necessarily know that this show exists a lot of them never find out that this show exists a lot of the people that you hear me talk about on this show will never know that it exists will never know that they were mentioned Um, and for that's not necessarily a problem for anybody involved because I tend to change names And I tend to leave out details, and I don't mention, you know, where we're geographically located.
1: That's actually, he's one of the ones who's out of town for summer right now. Mm -hmm. So how many regulars would you say you have that are are coming back and forth into the podcast?
2: In the podcast, probably not many, because I might tell one or two stories about them. Over the course of time that I hook up with them, half a dozen times, because I don't tell about every encounter, I just only leave the ones I think you'll find exciting or otherwise interesting. But there's probably, I don't know, three, four, five people who I've mentioned more than once on the show, mm-hmm. more than one episode or about. And usually I'll try to use the same code name for them each time, so you'll kind of know if you see the same name twice, odds are it's the same person.
1: You mentioned that you used uh, different names for people, different locations. Um, What's been the worst reaction by one of your subjects?
2: Uh, The worst reaction was just uh, a guy who, he was, he was, was, I wouldn't call him a regular, but I mean, I hooked up with him once, and then like a year later, I hooked up with him again, and after that, it got to be semi-frequent, and... He wasn't a sound seeing, so he didn't know about the show. He was just somebody I talked about, and I don't usually tell those people about the show. If I'm just going to tell a story about them, they don't need to know. And I got a random phone call from this guy, and he says, My friend in Hawaii showed me this website, and I think it's you talking about me. Uh, so it wasn't even him that discovered it. Somebody thousands of miles away had to call him up and say, Hey, I think I heard some guy talking about you on the Internet. And so he listened to it and figured, yeah, it was me talking about him. So he called me and asked me to take it down, and I did.
1: But you don't feel like you have to ask them ahead of time?
2: If I'm just going to tell the If you're story, just talking about no, it? No, absolutely not. Yeah. The only time I think I need to get permission is if I'm going to record them. I mean, we go around every day telling stories about people without their permission as long as I'm not lying through my teeth about it, I don't see that it's a problem. And in my particular state, it is what we call a one-party consent state. So technically, legally, I don't have to get their permission, but I always do anyway, because this is a very intimate, personal thing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about your voice, Chris. All
2: right. What
1: do you think of your voice?
2: I think it's kind of pinched and nasal and geeky, but mm-hmm. everybody tells me it's really sexy, so.
1: Do you like listening to your voice? No, I don't. Yeah, I don't either. To me, you have a sort of quality, a sort of Carlton, your doorman kind of quality. Do you know who I'm talking about? No. Okay. Uh, it was from the Rhoda show. It was the old Rhoda spinoff of the Mary Tyler Moore show. And she had a guy who, had, uh, Rhoda lived in an apartment in Manhattan. And uh, whenever, yeah, you know, there was a doorman and the doorman would buzz and he'd buzz up through this radio and he'd say, this is Carlton, your doorman. And he had a, like a vocal quality that was really similar to yours. Or I think also of Garfield the cat. I think also has a similar vocal quality Like here.
2: the original... You
1: know, I'm thinking the, in the... movie? Yeah, in the movies. Oh,
2: that's Bill Murray.
1: But the, Wasn't there another one first? Oh, I don't know. Maybe there was. Okay, one. maybe like Bill... Okay, I guess like Bill Murray. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I don't know. you should look up Carlton, your doorman. And you're from a place that wouldn't normally have an accent. But I you do sort of right. have an There's accent. Not,
2: I'm not from New York. I'm not from the South. I, there, I shouldn't have an accent, but a lot of people notice one.
1: To me, it sounds sort of Midwest or... Or or like Baltimore?
2: I I have family from the Midwest but I've never really been there, so
1: what's the best part about doing your podcast?
2: Well, my friend who I used to tell my stories to left town, so now I don't have anybody to tell my stories to.
1: So it's filling a need.
2: Yeah, so now I've got all you guys.
1: What's the worst part about it?
2: The worst part is probably when I when I when I get people emailing me saying, you know, you're bad person and blah, blah blah and I do my best to ignore them but you know it's hard.
1: Oh, well, as all adult performers are asked eventually at some point in interviews, what sound or noise do you most love?
2: What noise? Mm-hmm. Rain, thunder.
1: And what sound or noise do you most hate? Well,
2: fingernails on a chalkboard. I'm sure that's a pretty common answer though.
1: What's your favorite curse word?
2: <laughs> I don't. I'm not even I'm not a curse type person.
1: When you masturbate, what do you do with your other hand?
2: Oh. Well sometimes oh well, that's a good question. Thank you. Sometimes I'm pulling my hair.
1: And finally, if heaven exists, what would you want your creator to say to you as you arrive at the Pearly Gates?
2: I don't I mean I don't believe in a creator and I don't believe in heaven, but I mean if it did exist, I'd hope that he'd be standing there with a bunch of pretty condoms. For him.
1: What does the future hold for Gay Sex What's next?
2: I don't know. Yeah? You never know. That's kind, of, that's kind of the beauty of the show for me is I never know what's coming up in a week, let alone in a few months. Mm-hmm. You know, I could I could do like I did a year ago, meet somebody and disappear for a while. Or, or one of these days I might decide to hang it up completely. You never know.
1: I want to thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I wish you the best in many, many, many more podcasts to come. I'll do my best. <laughs> Thanks, Chris.